Coming up this week, off screen. Widows! We face the Overlord. Meet Waru. Spend three days in Kyberon. And get to know Mr. Rogers. All those coming more, off screen. This is. This is off screen. Off screen. Latest film news and reviews. This is Offscreen, the Movie Marker radio show and podcast. Ooh, welcome Offscreen. I'm Van Connor. I'm Kelly Needham. So, welcome back, Ms. Needham. Thank you. Another week of uh, cinematic charm to enjoy. Yes. And you got a small uh, break from me, though, last week. I did a bit. I, I got John last week, which is uh, always <laughs> fun. It's, 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 it's like... Uh, small doses. It's like boys' night. It's like an occasional Bad boys' night. night. <laughs> we, we just braid each other's hair and, and talk about girls. That's how it goes. Anyway, um, true. <laughs> not far <laughs> off. So uh, before we get to the news, mm-hmm. the reviews, mm-hmm. box office top five, mm-hmm. various plugs and yeah. technical things yeah. we have to get through, mm-hmm. uh, we should have a piece of film news to, to start us off. Shall so, we? Uh, shall we? Shall, what, 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 shall we? Uh, shall we have something? What have you got? Well, something ridiculous, in my opinion. Okay, what is it? Breaking I like ridiculous. Bad. <laughs> Breaking Bad is ridiculous. Oh, no. Apparently. Better Call Saul is ridiculous. But, oh, well, that's... Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Debatable. apparently what, sorry? Apparently it's getting a film. Oh, yes. According to... I've, I've been stuck listening to talk radio all week because mm. they've got a new phone and uh, I've not got the music on it yet. Right. And uh, for some reason, Spotify just keeps fading in now. So I've had to listen to talk radio all week and they've been going big on it today. They keep talking about Breaking Bad's getting a movie. So I had Why? To, I had to look into it. I assume because money well, is mm. the answer. Because yeah, fair enough. Here's the thing, though. I mean... It's done. It's exactly. over. It's over. I don't like Better Call Saul. I mean, I don't dislike it. I just don't know why it exists. I've watched like two seasons of it. Um, I think I'm two seasons behind. I, I don't care. The story was told. It didn't need any extra bits. It was wrapped up. Yeah. I mean, the ending of Breaking Bad, all right, it's not mind-blowing, but it's pretty good. And, I, it, was, and it was long, you know. Yeah, was just, it six seasons? Six seven? seasons, yeah, it ended on six, I think. That's a decent run. We don't need a film out of it. But the story has been told. The thing is, though... What could it be about? Right, This is because details on it are scarce, right? Okay. So, looking into it, the, right, the plot apparently tracks the escape of a kidnapped man and his quest for freedom. Okay. Yeah. So... And who's the kidnapped man? No idea. Uh, so no it might even well knows. not even have Brian Cranston and what's his name? The other guy, uh, uh, Aaron. Aaron Paul. Aaron Paul. Aaron yeah. Paul. And Jesse Plemons was in it as well, wasn't he? Was he? Yeah. Well, he was ugly Matt Damon. Yeah, Matt Damon. Matt Damon. That's that's what Meth they call him. Damon. And um, I didn't mean ugly. I just meant comparatively. <laughs> He's so know. good in Game Night. He's so, so good, good in Game, game night. night. Like that's the premiere on Sky Cinema. One of the premieres oh, this month. Oh, is it? So I'm going to watch that again purely that for film. Jesse Plemons. He makes it. He like, really. That does. is a good film. You look like you're uh, having a games night. <laughs> the company of close friends. The camaraderie of chance. Games of chance. <laughs> He's so good. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so there's no word on, on what the specifics are with this Breaking mm. Bad film. Is it a film that is going to cinemas? Is it something that's being made for television? We don't know. But if it's being made for television, mm-hmm. 
just make another series about something else. Surprisingly, a lot of people have said, look, if you need to bring Breaking Bad back, just do an event series and, and just do it like yeah. a six-part series or something. Yeah. Because people do seem to have lined up with each other on this idea that the thing they liked about Breaking Bad was the the level on which it was going as, a, as an unfolding narrative, the, the sort of pace that it took. Right. People seem to really like that. So a lot of people are against the idea of pot-boiling that down to two hours. It's very strange. I don't don't see how it could work. No, I don't at all. Hey-ho. Who are we? Yes, exactly. What would we know? What, what would we know? It's not like we have to watch all this stuff or anything. Yeah. But, uh, so, um, let's plug the podcast edition, extended version of this show. You get Download more it. news, more news, more reviews. After the end credits and a whole other section we have cleverly entitled Podcast Extras. How did you come up with that? Oh, it, it was, we took, it was a focus group. I can imagine. Uh, uh, no, we the did. brainstorm was We intense. did some testing. We had branding people in. <laughs> um, in the end, we went for simplicity and Podcast Extras was the result. I like so it. you can find the podcast edition on iTunes, Acast, Spotify, Deezer, TuneIn. Just pick your podcast platform. Preference, plod along and press download. I couldn't think of another day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so pleased you're not close enough to me to have actually spat on my face as you said all those peas. <laughs> I got it on the iPad. <laughs> Could not help that. Could not help that. No, so uh, first review of the week, what are we going to talk about? Uh, Overlord. What Overlord. Is it? Oh, I'm so looking forward to talking about this as well. Okay. Okay. I want to be upfront before I review this film and just say I expected this to be absolutely rubbish. Okay. Okay. Because as far as anyone knew, this was meant to be the fourth Cloverfield movie. And the third one did not exactly ah, turn out brilliant. Okay. Okay. And uh, at the eleventh hour, I think it was seemingly decided. No, it's not. I don't think actually that probably happened. I think it's more likely that it was just. But, someone... I think what probably happened is they made it mm. and they said, "Well, as per the other ones, it has nothing to do with Cloverfield." So this one has just... even less <laughs> to do with Cloverfield. So, well, it's not odd. Okay. So to this, this have nothing to, to do us. with Cloverfield. This is written by Billy Ray, Brothers of the Hunger Games. It is directed by Son of a Gun director Julius Avery, who's mm. in talks at the moment apparently for doing Flash Gordon, uh, John and I were discussing last uh, week. Yeah. And this is the story of two American soldiers, uh, well, largely, and it's an ensemble, let's call it an ensemble, a squad of soldiers who are sent in to, uh, behind enemy lines, the night before D-Day. Okay. In World War, so this is a World War II set action horror thriller. Mm. The night before D-Day, they have to, uh, they are put behind enemy lines, they have to take down a radio tower so that when D-Day rolls around and the big push begins, yep. they can have air support. Okay. Because otherwise the tower will stop. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so it all goes to hell. The, uh, the, the team is shot down within seconds. They are crashed. They are destroyed. They are scattered throughout. They are uh, separated. They, there are survivors unify and forge ahead with their mission mm-hmm. and uh, very quickly discover, however, that uh, something is not quite right in this small French village uh, that surrounds this, uh, this radio tower, which, by the way, is built atop a very creepy church. The Nazis occupying yes. the, uh, the, the, uh, the village are led by uh, Pilar Aisbeck from uh, Ghost in the Shell. Ah. And uh, the really good military drama from uh, a couple of years ago. Don't ask me. I Don't forget. look at me for uh, But he's really, really, he's really good. Anyway, he is the uh, the local head Nazi, as it were. <laughs> um, he uh, rules over the town with an iron fist. They have to get around him to try and find out, find a way to blow up this tower. However, they quickly discover that he is part of something they never could have predicted. This town has zombies. <gasps> Here's a clip. <laughs> Oh, inside the church. 
Crowds grabbed me as soon as I hit the ground. Inside the church? How did you get inside the church? Dead bodies. Wow. Slow down. Slow down. They're doing experiments on them in there. They're doing experiments on the villagers. What? Just like her aunt. They're burning people with these flamethrowers and they're still moving the bodies. Cocoon things in there. Did you get eyes on the tower compound? She doesn't have a body and she's still she's still talking and I saw Rosenfeld. Force! Did you get eyes on the tower compound? The tower basin yeah, is below the ground, but there's more than that down there. Okay. People love a Nazi zombie. They do, and the Nazi zom- zombie genre has... Uh, it's, it's, it's grown its own little subculture over the last few years. Who knew? There are films like... Is it Outpost, I think? Which yeah. was a, a one I think that was meant to go theatrical, and then it wound up as a director dvd and then it spawned sequels. The, yeah. There are sequels to it since. You look at things like Iron Sky as well. Dead Snow. Uh, yeah, Dead Snow, which weirdly I, I tend to always remember by its German name, which is literally Dodd Snow. Mm, so, yeah, and that got a sequel as well that I've never yes, actually seen. Um, no, I haven't. John Dickinson bought me a copy on DVD, would you believe? Because every time we have him over for dinner, he uh, always brings a film. Which is... is this your stash of films for the Ident competition winners as well? <laughs> Didn't think of that. <laughs> Didn't think of that. No, because they're all horror movies I really want to see. Um, and, obviously, and another obvious influence in this as well is uh, the Wolfenstein franchise. Did you ever play Wolfenstein when you were a kid? No. It was the precursor to Doom. Uh, okay. So first-person shooter, it's pretty much the first first-person shooter anyone can really remember. I think it more or less invented the genre. And the idea was, you know, you staring down the barrel of a gun, you were breaking yeah. into a Nazi uh, castle, and you fought, uh, you know, zombie mecha Hitler. Zombie mecha Hitler? Zombie mecha Hitler. And very recently, they rebooted the games for the current, you know, the, the new console generation. Right. It was like 2010, 2011. And this film is very much like that. Very much like that video game in particular. But also, it has the look and feel of a Robert Kirkman comic book. This is actually closer to the Walking Dead comic books in terms of tone and style than the actual Walking Dead TV series. Mm, Interesting. Even the framing of it. The way it's staged, yeah. the way it, everything is, is edged out, everything has a very distinct position, a, a very distinct style of dialogue to go with it. And it's all very Robert Kirkman. And it's really good. Oh. It's really fun. Get this. You even get, as the leader of these American GIs, Wyatt Russell, who, of course, now in his mid-30s, more or less plays exactly like his dad, Kurt Russell. So we now have a brilliant answer to the question, what do we do with Snake Plissken? Well, it's very simple. We get the new Kurt Russell. Just turns out to be Kurt Russell's son. Who knew? Thank God he made one. I know. He's fantastic in this. He is young Kurt Russell. Nice. And you remember how awesome young Kurt Russell was? Turns out, (sighs) still awesome. There you go. See, if we can get a young James Spader now... We're, we're sorted. Stop. We need. We need young James. Why can't Army Hammer be sleazy? He'd be a great young James Spader. I love Army Hammer. I know as you, you do. Well know. I, know. I know you love Leggy Hammer as well and, and Buttock Hammer. Sli- yeah. He could be as sleazy as James Spader if he wanted. <laughs> I think he'd be brilliant at that. But beside the point, um, you've also got uh, Jovan Adepo uh, from what was the Den Zombie Fences? Oh, the son from the... Fences. He's your lead I thought here. I recognised the voice on the clip. Yeah, it's him. Yeah, because yeah, you remember the speeches with yeah, Denzel yeah, from Fences. Exactly. Uh, he's the lead here. I say Pillow Asbeck as the uh, as, as the head Nazi, as it were. Um, also, another influence you can draw from this as, as well, to a weird extent, is Captain America and the whole Hydra thing. Uh, the way we've seen Hydra depicted. Yeah. There's some of that in there as well. This is really fun, really schlocky, really goofy. It knows what it is. Like, it has That's what you mean. It has no illusion about it. 
That's what you need for a Nazi yeah. zombie film. Um, did you ever see the Mutant Chronicles back in like 2008? No. It was I didn't part know. of that whole Sky Captain kind of green screen background kind of film thing we did for like five minutes. No, I didn't. It starred Thomas Jane. It was novel, but Excellent. not very good. Um, this reminded me a little bit of that. There's loads of influences in this. It comes from a very pulpy, very comic booky background. Uh, I'm glad it's not part of the Cloverfield uh, sort of mini collective because, Ugh. for one thing, this is a lot more fun, a lot better made, and a lot more enjoyable than any of the Cloverfield movies. Low any bar. of them. Low bother. But I, I have I have time for the second one. I have time for Ten Cloverfield Line. But it's not a Cloverfield film. Well, I mean, is it? We don't know. It's it's it, it's very subtle about it. Anyway, um, Overlord. So it's out now. It's got a young Kurt Russell in it. That's all anyone needs in a movie. Uh, Jovan Adepo as well. Great lead. Um, a couple of the sort of ensemble are really fun. Pilo Asbeck, though, re- like a weirdly, like a younger Michael Shannon. Oh, like, interesting. Im- imagine like Michael Shannon played a Nazi. That's what that's what Pillow Asbeck's doing. Is he here. wearing the outfit? Is the guy from the Purge, the first Purge? <laughs> no, he's doing that thing. <laughs> that thing they do in these movies where uh, it's the off-duty head Nazi. So he's always in a shirt with the with the straps, oh, with, the, uh, with the braces, yeah, of course, and the uh, that Cash. the tweed trousers. Cash kind of Nazi, yeah, Cash Nazi, Cash Nazi. <laughs> um, the, the kind of Nazi we all clearly need right now. So <laughs> but, we all deserve. Uh, thank God for that election this week. <laughs> anyway, so. Um, yeah, check, this week, then. check this out. It is really, really fun. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen, the Movie Marker radio show and podcast. And we're back, Ms. Needham. So, um, to where shall we travel on our cinematic quest next? Take me to Quiberon. Take you to Quiberon. <laughs> I'd like to spend three days there, if I may. You'd like to. Okay, fair. So, three days in Quiberon, which is uh, based on a true story. And I'm just trying to find the name of the actress. Uh, so, it stars... It, no, the name of the actress is Romy Schneider. So, she was a real actress. She's never really... We, don't, we wouldn't really know about her. She was more of a European star. Okay. But she was a full-blown movie star. And she had the whole Elizabeth Taylor package with the scandalous relationships and the uh, failed marriages and the effect, the usual stars, you know, of that era of of yesteryear. Um, And she is played by uh, Marie Baumer. She plays uh, Romy Schneider, who who I say we wouldn't particularly know. But the story goes that she, uh, in her final days, uh, she uh, was in a rehab clinic uh, in Kyberon. Imaginatively enough, mm. she spends uh, she spends three days with uh, uh, two reporters, and she sits and she, well, a reporter and a photographer, and she sits and she gives a series of interviews yeah. that wound up becoming incredibly poignant and, and very. They became very highly regarded in that sort of Frost Nixon way. It's one of the benchmarks mm. of interviews, mm-hmm. and it's the ultimate profile, and it's the story of the emotion behind that and the the toll it took on her and the realization she came to. You know, the full emotional journey. That, when is this? What, uh, what sort of era are we talking? I believe, is it the 70s? 70, oh, okay. Late, so, maybe late 70s, early 80s? So quite be- before its time. Before, before our time, really. Um, yeah, before our time. Before too. our time, but In terms of talking about that kind of thing. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah to be honest, because this would have been around the Frost Nixon time mm. of that era. Um, yeah, I, uh, it's a really well shot film. And the performance by Marie Bama is out of this world. Like, so there's there's images in there that I did recognise, even though I don't know the actress. Yeah, I did recognise some of the famous interview images. I'm like, oh, that's where that photo came from. And it's recreate. It's all recreated in a really faithful and really affectionate homage. Um, I think the emotion behind the story is provocative. It's quite, it's intriguing. It's very interesting. The story, though, for me, beyond that, didn't quite come together. Right, and it it is a case of. Uh, one really great performance, a pretty decently, you know, staged bit of direction, and 
some half decent character i can't quite hold this all together because the story and the investment really isn't there beyond that character mm. i appreciate that it is a character piece but it, it just feels a bit labored is this in english as well uh, no it's not no it's not uh. it's uh, it's uh, in Ger- it's in german i believe but, uh, oh, bits are in German, bits are in French, bits are in English. It's fully yeah. European. It is. It is a very European film indeed. But uh, yeah, I say Marie Baumer though, really great performance, really okay. terrific performance. But uh, worth seeing for that, I would say. But uh, just don't expect a truly amazing film. Sounds a bit boring. I don't think it would be for you. If I'm being really <laughs> honest, I don't think it's something you would you would. Particularly if I fancy enjoy. a nap, maybe it's one of those. Well, so uh, <laughs> what have you got for me in the news? What's happening, Ms. Needham? Um, the latest It Boy, Noah Centineo. Okay, he's so much an It Boy that I haven't heard of him. That means he's really cool. He's the Netflix It Boy. You know he's cool if I haven't heard of him. Yes, well, he's he's the new lead in, in films such as To All the Boys I've Loved Before, and okay. I think it's called Sierra Burgess is a Loser. So it's, Oh, the Barb thing. Uh, yes, the Barb, the Barb from thing, Stranger yeah. Things. He's the, he's the new kind of lead male, and he's this kind of, he's ridiculously good looking, but he's also down to earth. Like, he basically plays the same kind of character, but anyway. Okay. Um. So he's been cast in a new film, which seems like a slightly different step for him called Valet. Okay. Um, and he's going to play a young valet driver who gets involved in a government mission to take down an international arms dealer after he valets a car for a government agent. Okay, that sounds <laughs> sounds a bit Cody Banks, doesn't it? Very strange, and I'm not sure if that's really going to appeal to his current audience, but he's clearly trying to break away from that. Yeah. That's, uh, well, it reminds me of when Taylor Lautner got his uh, post-Twilight tried doing yes. his own movies, remember that? What was that? It was Abduction or something, something like, like that. Something like that, yeah, like Abduction, yeah. And then he went to Cuckoo. Did you ever see Cuckoo? I, I do watch Cuckoo. <gasps> and do you, know what's weird? do you know what's weird to me about Cuckoo, though? What? In the most recent series, they've had a couple of years off. And mm. in those couple of years, Taylor Lautner has sort of given up the the psychotically ripped uh, torso thing that he was doing. Yeah, good for him. And he's and he, he looks like a normal person now. Yeah. And it's just weird seeing Taylor Lautner with just a regular dude's physique, a regular body. It's it's almost like a dad bod. There's nothing wrong with the dad bod. He's got a dad bod, and it's just so. I know there's nothing wrong with it. It's just it's so strange because it's Taylor Lautner. Mm. It would be like who's the one I really like from from Twilight. Mr. Mugs oh, the camera all the time. Oh, what's his you know, name? Dude, I love. The one that's in the Kelsey Grammar yes, film. Oh, Kellen Lutz. Kellen Lutz. Kellen Lutz. My favourite member of the Twilight cast. Hilarious. Hands down. It would be like if you saw him with a dad bod. It would just be weird, wouldn't it? Love that though. I just oh. feel like they're kind of in there off. Like I'm not filming. I'm gonna let myself go. It's great. <laughs> I love it. But anyway, yeah. So Noah Centineo. I don't even know if that's how you say it. He's so, uh, Valet. He's gonna be saying. in Valet. Okay. Okay. Uh, Shrek is being rebooted. Yeah, the thing. All right, every time this news comes up, it comes up a lot. I, mm. I always think, wait, hang on, is it for real this time? Because we get this yes. like twice a year. That's, I, I dismissed it as soon as I read it. I was like, nah, yep, sure. Yeah. And Hocus Pocus two at the same time. <laughs> I believe it when I see Hocus Pocus. We're getting Bad Boys three. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that happened this week, by the way. Yes, it did. Like they put a picture out and. My, my favourite one. So I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna brag about my own tweet for a second because mm-hmm. I think something I follow, some film group I follow, put that re reshared that uh, that picture with who's excited for Bad Boys Three, and I couldn't resist retweeting it with Martin Lawrence. So uh, <laughs> boom, yeah, boom, mic drop. We all know it. Yes, said it. Um, so I'm sorry, Shrek is being rebooted. Yes, I, uh. I don't, I don't know why. Apparently, I don't know how. The idea is it, they want to reboot Shrek, but they don't want to be beholden to that cast forever. 
Right. Or forevermore, as the term would be. Uh-huh. Um, they are hoping to get Mike Myers, Cameron Diaz, Eddie Murphy, etc. back. But on the proviso that this is a sort of a passing of the torch kind of an idea. That makes no sense. That they Absolutely. would then become more minor characters. So uh, Shrek is not about Shrek? Could be, could be about Shrek's kids. Nobody wants that. to see like, that. No one wants to see that movie, admittedly. But I'm pretty sure Universal would try and make that. Because it's got Chris Melodondry attached, who did uh, Despicable Me. I see. Um, I believe he's a lot of doing the Mario movie as well at the moment. Quite possibly, but let's look at what happened with Despicable Me as, as the franchise went on and on. Oh, yeah, I wish it had stopped. Yeah. I could, I really couldn't live without Despicable Me. Through. Although, about Shrek, I enjoyed Puss in Boots. I didn't enjoy Puss in Boots. Oh, I did. I did, however. In fact, the only one of all... I like the first Shrek, even though I have serious issues with it. And I mean serious, I can't believe you're... you're you're peddling this to kids' issues. Mm. Um, we've had that discussion before, I'm sure. We have. Yeah. Um, it's, why, why? I just don't get it. Anyway, um, the one I like is the last one, the Shrek. The one with Justin oh, Timberlake in it. No, no, that's Shrek the Third. Oh, is it? Yeah, Shrek the Third. And it's then Shrek the, There's another one. The fourth one is, I think it's like Shrek Forever After or something like that. Ah, uh, is that the like, time. Time bending. He changes the timeline. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. yeah, and Rumpelstiltskin is the villain. Yes. Yeah. I can't really remember that one. Then I thought it or not. That was the only one of the sequels I enjoyed. Mm. Because other than that, I was just like, why are we doing another road movie? Yeah. Like, stop doing road trip movies. Snore. Anyway, uh, so I need, to talk well, about, uh, I need to talk about Won't You Be My Neighbour really quickly. Because I'm pushing for time. Uh, right, so Won't You Be My Neighbour is uh, a, a documentary about Fred Rogers. A.K.A. Mr. Rogers, mm. A.K.A. the the figurehead of Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, mm-hmm. uh, which is you know a seminal part of the American childhood experience and has been for half a century. Yeah, uh, he passed away in two thousand three. So not to spoil the ending for you, but it's pretty known he passed he away. And, he did. He did. He passed away in 2003. Um, and the story is Fred Rogers was an ordained minister. Was he? He was an ordained minister who got sort of... In fact, I think he... Is he an honorary minister after the fact? He was training to join... The, he was going to join the seminary. And the story goes that the weekend before he went to join, he saw television for the first time. And, and he was struck by an inspiration that television could be used for the cause of good, for the cause of education, for the cause of... Uh, uh, bettering the next generation of American children. Yeah, and he yeah. then dedicated his life to pretty much inventing edutainment, as, mm-hmm. as we would now call it in certain NAF media circles. <laughs> but uh, he became Mr. Rogers. He invented Mr. Rogers' Neighbourhood in 1968, and he became an icon oh, near, near overnight. Mm-hmm. It took about three years, actually, but comparatively, like, overnight, he basically represented... Adult, adults to, you know, a large number of American children. Uh, this is the story of how that happened. Here's a clip. Fred's work was love your neighbor and love yourself. It was a communication right into their hearts. Children have very deep feelings, just the way everybody does. There must be times when you do feel blue. I'm not feeling blue right now, though. Me neither. (laughs) Thank you for whatever you do to bring joy and hope, light and love to our world today. Please won't you be... Now, they are currently in the process of developing a live-action narrative feature about the life of uh, Fred Rogers, and they have cast, brilliantly enough, Tom Hanks, Ah. uh, because because who else could be the most noble, good 
good-hearted person in the world. Yeah, and that's after. that's what Mr. Rogers was. Mr. Rogers represented the best of humanity. Everything good and kind. He really was. And the really shocking part about Won't You Be My Neighbour is that evidently he really was what he sold himself as. And it is absolutely... It, it takes you through the emotional ringer for the entirety of its last half an hour. It's a fascinating story for the first hour. And then you don't have time to be fascinated by it because it will grab a hold of your heart with both hands mm. and twist and squeeze every tear it can out of you. Oh, man. This is such an emotional, such a moving, such a beautiful, poignant portrait of someone who apparently was all of those things anyway. Well, it makes a change, doesn't it? Yeah, there's, there's stuff in there as well that's kind of fascinating. Uh, there's a, a, a moment of archival footage in which... Fred Rogers. I feel weird calling him Fred. Uh, Sorry, Mr. Rogers. Because he is Mr. Rogers. You see Mr. Rogers going before the Senate and arguing mm-hmm. for 20 million in funding for PBS. Oh. And because Mr. Rogers held PBS together until Sesame Street could come along. Mm-hmm. And he invented the, the idea, the archetypical children's and you know, show. Mm. If it weren't for him, we wouldn't have Lamb Chop. We wouldn't have Pee Wee Herman. We wouldn't probably wouldn't have Sesame Street. You and know, that those, would be a dark kind of time. Things. Imagine not having those things in your childhood, and it, it's impossible for us because that's part of the experience, as far as we know it. Well, you say that, but is mm. this really going to translate for a British audience? I think what Mister Rogers was is universal, in, rather than who he was, but what he was is a universal mm. enough concept. That the film is, and also the film being as moving and as heartfelt as it is, yeah. it translates regardless. Even if you don't know who Fred Rogers was, worth a watch. It's absolutely worth a watch. It is just superb. This I, genuinely is one of the best films of the year for me. Aww. Uh, and I, 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 I wept. I just wept like a baby for half an hour at the end of this. But you didn't cry. A star was born. But I had a tear or two. Okay. I got misty eyed. Okay. But uh, to be fair, a star is born. It's, it's, so won't you be my neighbour? With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen. The Movie Marker radio show and podcast. You ever done that thing when you're on Netflix and you're like, I really want to watch Mean Girls, and then it spits back, yeah, we haven't got Mean Girls, but here's movies like Mean Girls. Not what I asked, I wanted Mean Girls. Nobody likes Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen. Nobody. Not even Lindsay Lohan. Anyway, whatever you can't find could very likely actually be on US Netflix, which has almost double the content we do. Plus Snowpiercer, and it costs about the same as ours too. Plus this though, there's a VPN called Surfshark. VPN's a virtual private network if you're still one of those people who owns a clamshell phone. And it's one of those VPNs that actually does let you access US Netflix. I've had a few VPNs over the last few years, not all actually do that. Surfshark does, and it's actually pretty darn cheap too. Better yet, on top of being able to watch The Last Jedi on Netflix whenever you want, which is awesome and you absolutely should do that, you also get like an extra layer of added security. So all your traffic's encrypted, all your data's all hyper private and secure, and you can even use this thing with, like, public Wi-Fi networks, so, you know, the next time you're in a Costa or something. There's also this thing called Clean Web that they offer that automatically blocks things like phishing attempts. I still don't even know what those are, by the way. Malware, trackers, stuff like that. It even apparently blocks ads. So you get this badass level of new content, you get beefed up online security, and cuz Black Friday. It'll only set you back like £1.50 a month. So check it out. Go over to surfshark.com, use the offer code BFF off screen. How cute is that? 
Uh, did I mention Snowpiercer's on there? Yep, Snowpiercer's on there. I haven't confirmed that, by the way. It's just the last time I used a VPN to access US Netflix, Snowpiercer was on there. Uh, and that's worth a quid 50. So, offer code BFF off screen. Boom. And we're back, Ms. Needham. So, to where shall we uh, venture next? Shall we go through the top five? Yes, let's drop it like what a What are tot. people spending their pennies on? Let's see. Number five. Johnny English strikes again. Well, okay, just realised that the top five this week is more or less the same top five it was last week and There's the week one before. Change. There's one change. And I don't, I don't see that lasting, if I'm happened? honest. I guess there's just nothing out, really. There's a lot in the next few weeks, though. I mean, the okay. run up to Christmas now is busy. Like, that's not going to stay the same every, for, at all now until Christmas. We've, we're obviously going through the pre-Christmas lull. <laughs> well, starting with Fantastic Beasts next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, like, number one next week will be... Uh, 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 the Grinch and yeah, uh, the week course. after will be Fantastic Beasts and it's going to be that until Christmas now yeah. to be honest cool. so uh, Johnny English strikes again do you know what I've still not seen it good we can move on we can move oh has anyone tweeted though yeah we should give them the chance Fine. okay let's see if anyone's tweeted what they got uh, so Rufus I'm not even going to read that name out uh, says went to watch the new Johnny English Rowan is the best actor really cool and funny movie oh, oh okay sure sure number four Smallfoot well, well. It's, for me, it's Stokes again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I really love Stokes. I was bored by the trailer, and that just says it all weird. <laughs> I keep seeing a video clip of Zendaya, like, telling me about Smallfoot. Like, shush, Zendaya. Like, Nobody cares. Well, clearly people do. It's number you four, have but... Spider-Man to faux romance, uh, whatever it is. Or just, just Showman to be swinging around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, tie ropes and trapezes and but you no, know, Smallfoot. I didn't. I didn't particularly love it. And I think it's a bit convoluted, even for kids. Yeah. To be honest. But then again, I thought that was Storks. Um, has a kid tweeted by any chance? I mean, I doubt it. But yeah. I think based on the picture, this is not a child. Oh, okay. Um, but she goes by the name Bay. Sure. I like it. Okay. Uh, Smallfoot was so awesome. I loved it. Fair. Number three. The Nutcracker and the Four Realms serviceable family adventure fantasy movie um, comparable to do you remember the, the first Narnia movie in 2005 yes. when they when they tried that series again do you remember how that wasn't a brilliant movie it was fine in fact none of those movies are particularly brilliant that's about the quality level of the Nutcracker I just can't deal with I've seen the trailer I've not actually seen it yet mm. I can't deal with that voice that Kieran Knightley's doing it's oh. like a poor man's version of do you remember in I Feel Pretty yeah. Michelle Williams played the kind of oh. head of that company. And you get this really annoying It's like a bad version of that, and that was nauseatingly bad. Well, I mean, she is playing the sugar plum fairy, so I, don't care. I would kind of assume, to be honest, that, that that's kind of just a, you know that's a pretty go you know stock go to comedic, uh, not comedic character sort of choice that you make. No, it's that. annoying and distracting. Yeah, fair and enough. I have none of it. <laughs> Fair enough. Has whomever has tweeted about it had none of it? Yes. So, uh, Baby Shamp says, sure, yep. says, The Nutcracker movie was a super cute date. Crying faced heart. I'm of the deep watch as I dive in. I'll never meet the ground. Number two. Star is born. 
No, no, you, you lip-synced and performed that perfectly. Um, You're welcome, by the way. Yeah, I know, it was a great show. I mean, I feel like you should charge me for the admission, but uh, <laughs> um, that's the thing. I mean, you can't have a shorter button for A Star Is Born because it's impossible to see the film and not love it. I mean, I do know people that have. What? But, uh, oh, I don't even Bring them to me. Oh, no. Just, there's, a, there's a dude, I, I'm, not, I'm not friends with him or anything, but I know him, like, professionally, and mm. he's a miserable son of Really? <laughs> But uh, awesome film. Yeah, uh, he, he didn't uh, rate it anyway. <laughs> it's a bit of a film. like it's got these terrible cheesy moments in it, but, but they work. they're forgiven. Yeah, they work. But, and I, I really liked it. I think Bradley Cooper is a far better director than I would have expected him to be. Yeah. Uh, I think his story... I think a version of A Star Is Born in 2018 being as interesting mm. and as engaging as this is, is not something in a million years I would have expected. Yeah, exactly. And the fact that it is all those things astounds me. Yeah, just don't watch any of the interviews that Lady Gaga's done for the film, because that will put you off. Really? Oh. I've not seen any of them. Oh, she's, she brings out the same story in, in the same quote at the exact same time, which is something like, uh, if there, there's a hundred people in a room and 99 of them are against you, it just takes that one to have your back, and that one is Bradley. Like, honestly, like... Yawn. Yeah. So ignore that. Ignore that it's Lady Gaga. Just go and see it. You'll forget that it's her. No, but actually, yes, you do, because she's not recognisable. Exactly. Her, is she? And you'll have a great time, and then you'll die inside. And Bradley Cooper's barely recognisable as himself. No, it's true. I mean, Very it, true. It, it looks like he hasn't washed his hair for a year. I believe that he hasn't. Yeah, and also he's, he's taken his voice down like three octaves. Yeah, it's really gruff and sexy. All right, I haven't shaved. And like he looks about 412. He's really craggly, isn't he, yes. in the face? And really great performance, both physically and, uh, you know, dramatically. Yes. Full, really great full rounded performance. Yes, definitely. So, uh, has anyone tweeted? Yes, so uh, Kellyanne Stankus has tweeted <laughs> Just saw A Star is Born and tears, tears the entire movie. OMG, crime face. Number one. Spinal tap. <laughs> um, no, it's not. Yeah. So Bohemian Rhapsody opened uh, this last week in the US. This last weekend. Sorry. I'm ashamed to say I've still not seen it. You've still not seen it. Um, well, it obviously opened uh, two, weeks, two weeks ago here, yes. and it opened last week in the US, so we got a week behind us. In your face, America. And it's surprising, actually. I, there's something I've noticed... British critics mm-hmm. have evidently responded to the film better than American critics. Hmm. Now, under any other under any other subject on earth, I would usually line up more with an American critic, yeah. just because of my general mentality. And your upbringing, yeah. you know, mentality, upbringing, etc. I would generally line up more with an American critic. Mm-hmm. However, I was raised loving Queen, <laughs> so. On that side, I kind of have the. I genuinely thought you just said I was raised a loving queen. Oh, if only, (laughs) if only I'd want to break free. Um, But yeah, so I don't know. I fall sort of halfway between the two. Mm -hmm. I think the American critics have been right in singling out singling out more of the film's inherent flaws, Mm -hmm. and they have taken issue with a lot of the uh, a lot of the issues that I did with it because I have certain issues with certain moments of the depiction of the sexuality of Freddie Mercury. There's one in particular that I, I. 
remain astounded has not become a controversial moment. Mm. Um, having said that, uh, I don't think the critics in the US have been entirely fair because they have beaten the hell out of this movie. Oh, really? Yes. I think even Movie Bob gave it like one and a half stars. Oh, wow. And it's not a one and a half star film. I mean, if you go on a four star rating system, mm. for me, it's a three star film. If you go on a five star rating system, it's still a three star film, maybe a four. Yeah. And it's four more for enjoyment, I think. So I had a four star experience with a three star film sort How of a strange. sort of a deal. Um Rami Malek's tremendous in it. I just I have issues I just didn't quite gel with the way they, they laid out the story of Freddie Mercury because mm. it shouldn't be the case that a Freddie Mercury film is at its most fun when he's part of Queen. Yeah. Should be it, about him. Yeah. Freddie Mercury is an inherently interesting character all on his own. Why then are his scenes, the scenes about Freddie Mercury, nowhere near as engaging as or as enjoyable as the scenes in which you have Ray Malek alongside Gwilym Lee or Ben Hardy or Joe uh, Ma- uh, Joseph Mazzello? Mm-hmm. Uh, or just, just call him Timmy. He's Timmy. Timmy. Um, but yeah, it shouldn't be the case. Having said that, the last 20 minutes of this thing, oh my God, they're amazing. I really can't wait to see it. I shed a tear over Radio Radio Gaga. (laughs) Genuinely. Never thought in my life I'd shed a tear over Radio Gaga. Never. Never liked the song. I'm not sure it's a tear-worthy film. (laughs) It really isn't. Uh, Song. I take it whoever tweeted has loved it. Uh, Let's see. Will Shu says, Really, really enjoyed Bohemian Rhapsody. Watched it at the cinema with a couple of friends earlier, and I have to admit that I listened to Queen's Greatest Hits on repeat all the way home. I mean, you kind of have to after a movie like that and then a couple of weird emojis. But, geez, no one asked for your life story, will you? <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> wow, you're a harsh critic. Um, <laughs> I, just for time reasons, can I launch straight into the next review? Cause it's going to be a quickie anyway. Wow. So, Waru, which is... This is the funny thing. If you, if you uh, type director into, into this, you pull up the director page on IMDb, uh-huh. it is eight people long. What? Right. I will explain. I will explain exactly why. Okay. This is the uh, the story of... Uh, well, it's not really the story of... It's a story that starts with the funeral or the tangi of a young Maori boy. So okay. it's a New Zealand film. The cast is largely Maori. Mm-hmm. Um, it starts with the death of a young boy. And it is the relatives and extended family members and people present at the funeral who then go off and mm-hmm. form what's effectively a, a serialized anthology. Okay. If you know what I mean. So yeah, they yeah. are taking place chronologically or at the same time. Yeah. And it's, you know, this one's the cousin. For This storyline is about that cousin. This storyline is about the grandma. This storyline is about, you know, that, that sister. Or Yeah. You get the idea. Yeah, yeah. It is, it's, it's a female-driven story, so it's about the women of mm-hmm. this family. And it is their various vignettes of it. And it's really fascinating <laughs> really i haven't got a clip for you i'm afraid no um, no because it's, it's largely in its native tongue oh it's, okay fair enough oh, having said that as well that even though there is a fair bit of english in it mm-hmm. it is english by way of a really thick new zealand accent uh-huh. really thick Mar- that maori dialect yeah, applied yeah. to english language and so i watched it with the subtitles accidentally switched on the entire time and even when it was the english language being used i actually still needed them yeah it was very thick and the film doesn't want to i appreciate that because it means the film does not want to compromise Mm -hmm. on its cultural vision what it has to say not only about women but also about the depiction and the view of maori culture and the prejudices that for instance the other residents of new zealand exact upon uh, the Maori people is mm-hmm. fascinating. 
Yeah. Never thought, I, I honestly never considered half the stuff in this movie. Hmm. It's incredible. It's really gripping. Um, the, because of the serialised anthology nature of it, well, by the way, the thing with the directors is that a different female director has directed a different instalment of it. I was going to say, presumably. That's, that's how it was. They've yeah. written and directed that instalment. Mm-hmm. So they've all come together one day and said, right, here's the funeral scene at the beginning, so we're all in, let's put that together, and then you go off and do this one, you go off and do that one, you go off, and that's how, it's, how it works. Okay. So it's literally a writer's room movie. And it's brilliant. Really well put together. Great performances. Um, but great performances across the board. The thing yeah. for me is that a couple of the, literally a couple mm-hmm. of the, the chapters don't quite work as well as the others. And noticeably for me... Two one, out of eight, though. Yeah, two out of eight. I well, I, yeah, I mean, for me, one of them, the, the, there's a very spiritual chapter in it, for mm. instance, which deals with one of the grandmas. And that, for me, I thought was... It just didn't quite gel with the rest of it because I think because it just took it to a, diff- a completely different place than yeah. the, the other instalments. But on the whole, the film is tremendous. Uh, even including that chapter, like which is like 10, 15 minutes long. Yeah. I mean, it's a 95-minute film. Okay. So you're not getting a chapter that's more than like 10 minutes. Yeah. You know, 10 to 12 minutes. And I was, I was really gripped by it. it. It takes the form of like certain chapters play like a poem certain chapters play like um i'm trying to think of the uh, you know the i am woman hear me roar sort of a a moment there's yeah. one of those blown out to exactly 10 minutes and it's fantastic okay i really loved it that might be my favorite part of the whole thing but genuinely if you get the chance to see this absolutely do it you wouldn't think you'd like it but i promise you actually would I'm guessing it's like a Curzon independent type. Yeah, it's very much one of those one of those sort of films. Yeah, yeah. but it's, in, it's an art. You have to seek it out at your local independent, your local mm. art house cinema. But if you do get the chance to see it, genuinely do. Honestly, you, you, you will love this far more than you think you will. With the latest film news and reviews, this is off screen, the Movie Marker Radio Show and Podcast. And we're back, Ms. Needham. So, you know what time it is. What time? Widows! <laughs> We're going to use that a lot. If you think that's not going to be the top ten button when this is number one next week, you are sorely mistaken. <laughs> and I'm going to get that straight out of the way off the bat. This should be the number one movie at the box office this weekend. Okay. It deserves to be. Like, okay. It's film of the week. It's film of the week. Playing now. Oh, spoiler. Sorry, spoiler alert. This is film of the week. Hashtag spoiler. Okay, so this is the first film from Steve McQueen since 12 Years a Slave. So it's been four years since 12 Years a Slave. I've been watching it that entire time. <laughs> right. So what he's... Uh, he's a very eclectic man, Steve McQueen. So to follow up his great big... Uh, well, actually, first of all, we would think that four years is a long time for him to have gone away. Having said that, it was three years between Shame and four years, uh, 12 Years a Slave. So this is only a year longer, and you consider the Oscar buzz he dealt with in that time, and mm. suddenly his profile shooting through the stratosphere, you know, understandable. Uh, what he has now chosen to do is to adapt a Linda LaPlante novel. Yeah, well... As, as, uh, one, as one does. And, uh, well, I mean, to put it this way, there was a TV version of this many years ago. A, mm-hmm. Brit- a British TV version. Right. Uh, adaptation, because that's what we do with Linda Plant novels. We just adapt them for television, and usually cast Tom Hardy for some reason. A very young Tom Hardy. My mum so. never shuts up about it. But, young uh, Tom Hardy's a... The Call, I think, or something Interesting like thing to watch. But, uh, so, of course, like I say, Linda Plant adaptation. Mm-hmm. The minute my mum heard this existed, I have been hounded about it ever since. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. It stars... Octavia Spencer, Michelle Rodriguez, Elizabeth Debicki, Colin Farrell, Robert Duvall, Liam Neeson, John Bernthal, uh, Brian Tyree Henry, Daniel Kaluuya, 
that's off the top of so my no head. No famous folks. No famous folks at all. <laughs> that's nine names off the top of my head. Wow. And that's before I have even actually looked at it on the screen in front of me. As soon as the note file moves. Uh, there is also... Who am I forgetting? Go on, we'll find out. Hang on. Wait, wait, wait for it. Oh, Carrie Coon is in it as well. Big fan of hers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian Tyree Henry. Michael Harney, who you know is the uh, the warden from Orange is the New Black. Uh, he yeah, has yeah. a minor role in this. Jackie Weaver is in this. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It goes what on. What is this thing? Garrett Dillahunt is in this. You know Garrett the- Dillahunt? Garrett Garrett Dillahunt, he's from, is it, no my name is Earl, or one of those shows. Oh, no, the one with the kid and the, oh. The one with the kid? The one that's like My Name is Earl, where it's like the trashy dude who gets a woman pregnant and then gets the kid. Baby daddy? No, oh, <laughs> man, he was know. the dad in that. Anyway, it was fantastic. It was a great series. I was sad to see it get cancelled, so much so that I then forgot his title. Anyway, so, Clearly. tremendous cast. Whole lot Steve, of people. Steve McQueen's writing and directing it. Mm-hmm. Linda LaPant adaptation. Here's the plot. You've got a group of, you know, uh, a group of professional robbers. You know, they do heists. They are led by Liam Neeson. Of course. So, of course, because they are led by Liam Neeson, they are the most organised, calculating crew in the world. One day, a job goes bad, and they are killed. They are murdered violently, and I do mean violently. All of them. By the, all of them, at the same time, by the police. And uh, they leave behind... <laughs> who then decide they're not going to take, uh, take their husband's deaths lying down, especially not when, it turns out, the money they were stealing in the process happened to belong to a really ruthless crime lord who's trying to run for local office. And he wants his money back. And so these Widows! decide to take up the next heist their husbands would have been doing. Because it turns out Liam Neeson, being the most calculating, you know, ruthless professional criminal in the world, mm-hmm. and also being played by Liam Neeson, kept a notebook in which he wrote down everything he was ever going to do for the rest of his life. Yeah, that's including just normal. Yeah, full schematics, yeah, yeah. access, kind of things like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah including yeah. even blackmail photos. He even leaves them for a job he wasn't even doing that week. That is thorough. That is really thorough. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, another name for the list. Matt Walsh is in this as well. And uh, honestly, the, it's one of those films. It how, really how have is. they fit this many people? Well, I guess they just kill most of them off I think, in the beginning. But. Well, I mean, yeah, obviously, John Burnfall and <laughs> Liam Neeson are going to have to go early on. Yeah. It is kind of, he's one of those films. Um, so these, uh, as I say, the. Uh, set out to do the next heist. However, the local <laughs> crime lord's coming after them, the police are coming after them, the politicians are coming after them. Here's a clip. Our go date is in three days, the night of the debate. Now all of our work is worth nothing if we don't move this money in fast. We gotta start thinking like professionals. We're in business together. There's not gonna be some cozy reunion. After this job, we're done. We have three days to look and move like a team of men. The best thing we have going for us is being who we are. Why? Because no one thinks we have the balls to pull this off. So did I call her Octavia Spencer or Viola Davis? Yeah, you called her Octavia Spencer. You know why that is? Because both kind of shot to fame overnight in the same movie. Remember? The Help. The Help. Mm -hmm. So for years now, I have been calling Viola Davis Octavia Spencer. Interchangeable names. But look very different. They look, oh, they couldn't look more different. Yeah, yeah. But uh, in fact, do you know who would be easier to actually, who would be more uh, understandable to mix up would be Viola Davis and Alfred Woodard. 
uh, from, from Luke Cage. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Because they play the same kind of roles. When I first was watching Luke Cage, I double take. I had to do a double take, and I was like, is that fit? No. No. But, uh, but yeah, definitely. Again, because Alfred Woodard seems to have had a career resurgence around the same time as well. Because she's sexy. But even but Alfred Woodard was in movies in the 80s. I remember her being in Scrooged. Honestly, I'm surprised by how old she is. I am as well, because she seems to be de-aging. Yes. But anyway, sorry. Anyway, we're, we're, we're completely we off topic. Widows. Widows! <laughs> <laughs> That's why we have the button. Anyway, so, um, brilliantly directed by Steve McQueen. Mm. I genuinely, I was blown away by this. Did not expect it. I mean, I expected it to be good. I thought, okay, it's a heist movie. You know, largely diverse female cast. More Basically, imagine a more diverse version of Set It Off. Okay. Right? But directed by, like, David Fincher. Except in this case, literally Steve McQueen. What you've got is an adult-centric thriller that plays along the lines of the and along the lines and of the caliber of Heat, mm-hmm. of Gone Girl, yeah. of proper mainstream Hollywood at its best adult thrillers. How have I not heard of this film? It's is it being advertised? It's been buzz. There's been a lot of buzz around. It's been a buzzy release. I mean, there's trailers everywhere. There's bus ads. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you you know what? You are going to absolutely love this. Nice. You you really are. This is. I'd say one thing that it, actually it's a pretty good. Right, for one, when you're going out with your friends, when you want like a girly night of pictures, mm-hmm. go and see this. Because we'll be pumped up and ready to steal stuff. I mean, you'll 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 come out and like if anyone's having trouble at home, like that that ends that night. You know, That's right. Uh, but uh, um, so some Especially surprises. After having Ocean's Eight, which was a real disappointment. That was a disappointment. This is not. Mm. In fact, this is kind of the movie you wanted Ocean's Eight to be. This with laughs. Yeah. Right. Right. Take away the laughs from that concept. What you've got? Yeah. Yes, it's awesome. It's really great. Mm. It is stylish. It's slick. It's sexy. It's hyper violent when it needs to be. It like is that. brutal. It's uncompromising. And yet, the brilliance of it for me comes from there's a decision made. The film is two hours and nine minutes long. Mm-hmm. Not a minute of it is wasted. And I say that considering that there is a good solid 45 minutes to an hour of this mm-hmm. that's actually just character stuff. And I mean, not relevant really mm-hmm. to the heist, in any way, to the heist plot. Okay. There is a sequence. I mean, there's a secret. There is a plot reason for it to have initially, but it then goes off and becomes a different scene entirely between Michelle Rodriguez and a, a ma- just. I'm just going to say a, ma- a male character who mm-hmm. himself also happens to be a widow. And he happens to be a what? <laughs> <laughs> so um, there's a moment between them, and it serves its narrative function, and then becomes a character piece. Okay. And the decision to evolve that moment into a character piece is tremendous because it feels so raw, so believable, so passionate and emotional, mm-hmm. and it re- feels it just feels like incredible vulnerability being shown. And Michelle Rodriguez is just no perfect in it. There is this, it's just this one moment where I'm sort of thinking, please let Michelle Rodriguez get at least minor awards buzz for this. Hmm. Because she's really good in it. You wouldn't, like, because of the body of work Michelle Rodriguez has under her belt. Bless her. Yeah, you wouldn't expect She's good at that. what she does. She's good at what she does. What she does is not generally this. Yeah. And it, She's really, really good at it. I mean, obviously, the MVP is Viola Davis, because when is she not? Except in The Help, where she merely shares the title with Octavia Spencer. 
And I remember, she's still <laughs> yeah. awesome in it. She's still awesome in it. Which which one is it? The poops and the sandwiches in the home. Oh, it's isn't it Octavia? Is it Octavia? Is Octavia that does it? Sure it but I love that moment. Anyway, um, really great film. A really solid adult thriller. This is adult Hollywood thrilling at its utmost. It is just genuinely fantastic. Like I say, slick, stylish, hyper-violent, gripping. You can't look away. The performances, every single performance in this is amazing. Even Gone Girl had that naff Neil Patrick Harris moment. Yeah. And this has none of that. Excellent. Not an ounce of it is wasted. Daniel Kaluuya becomes actually terrifying in this. Really? Yes. Actually. He can do that? He can. Very much so. Yeah. You will be terrified of Daniel Collier. I really want to see this film. Y- you really should. So, like I say, um, that is our film of the week. It is Excellent. In, uh, should I remind you of the title? It's uh, it's it's what called. Is it? uh, what is this? Uh... Oh, yeah, yeah. That one. Yeah, that's the one. It's out now. <laughs> Absolutely see Widows. It is tremendous. I, I, I'm i looking forward to seeing Make it. Make it number one. Make I, it number one. I think it will be. It's shooing for number one next week. I can't wait to see it again. Awesome. Really can't wait to see it again. I think it's... I can't come... That's the Oscar screener this year that can't come fast enough for me. Like that and the Star is Born. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> okay, so next, next week, week... Fun to come. The remake of Suspiria is next week. Oh, of course. Yes. Ginger, that. what's her face? Uh, the, the Dakota Johnson? That's the one. Ginger Johnson. Ginger Johnson. Uh, Dead in a week or your money back is next week. Oh. Hellfest is next week. Hellfest? Oh, I'm looking forward to this. What's this? Okay. A slasher movie Mm -hmm. at a fairground. (gasps) I'm in. Yeah, I know. What's not to love, right? I think Tony Todd's in it, too. Tony Todd? Tony Todd, yeah, man. You can't cheat death. (laughs) You can buy me a ticket right now, man. (laughs) You would, wouldn't you? Um, of course, uh, Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes Who? of Grindelwald. I'll watch is... it, don't get me wrong, but I'm not looking forward to it. Well, that's it. I mean, I, I know I'm going to watch it. Well, everyone's going to watch it. Mm. This is the thing. Whether it's naff or not, it's, it's, this is the problem with reviewing films like Fantastic Beasts, is the fan base is so huge. Yeah. And so generalised as well, that they're going to see this regardless. Yeah, of course. I mean, you can go and tell them it's the naffest movie ever made. You know, I mean, someone proved this with Bond years ago, that Bond was essentially critic-proof. Yeah. And it, it's very Certain true. franchises are, let's be fair. And this is one of them. They are indeed. So, uh, Fantastic Beasts 2 is uh, next. Fantastic Beasts? Fantastic Beasts. Fantastic Beasts. There we are. Uh, that's next week. We've got The Workshop, and we've got The Price of Everything, the latest Dog Wolf documentary, which excites me greatly, because I loves me a Dog Wolf documentary. Wolf Wolf? It's uh, yeah, that's it. that is their ident. That is actually their ident. Yeah, because <laughs> every time they send me a screen link, Lola jumps. <laughs> and she gets really defensive every time she hears it. Um, so yeah, yeah, I love that documentary. Did Blackfish years ago, and I've I've kind of loved them I've ever since. I'm still not recovered from that. <laughs> still not recovered. No, I swear I'm waiting for them to do a follow up. Because obviously, you know, Tilla, did Tillicum die? Yes, yes, ages ago. Yes, okay. Oh no, no, that was the plot of the movie. So no, there was a, there was another another whale who died in the last few years, and they they linked the story in with Blackfish. Oh, isn't it the one from Free Willy? I think it is. Might be. Yeah. Can't remember her name. So we anyway. we've got all those to come and more next week off screen. In the meanwhile, this has been Kelly Stubbs production of a movie market. I've been Van Connor. I've been Kelly Needham. And we shall return. Just show me the way to get out of here, and I'll be on my way. You've been listening to Offscreen. For more movie news, reviews and more, visit moviemarker.co.uk. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap.
podcast extras. Oh, these are always fun, isn't it? Yeah. So let's uh, have a sift through those. Apparently, The Eternals is going to film next fall. Yeah, what is that? Right, so I've this heard is, of it. This is a Marvel movie. This is an uh. MCU flick. Right. Apparently, one of the things that was going to happen with Guardians 3 right. is Guardians 3 was going to set up a lot of the future of Marvel movies. Okay. And the script, apparently, they're keeping James Gunn's script. And uh, I would presume... I don't think they had much choice. Mm, I would assume, though, that that's because he'd done too much work. Because he was going to run the Marvel Cosmic Universe, as we call it. Because, obviously, he'd proven him. He'd, he'd overshot. He'd over-delivered with the Guardians movies. Yeah. You know, they asked him, come on, can you uh, do this, like, faux Star Wars for us? Not only did he do a faux Star Wars for them, he invented a new faux Star Wars universe. He did. And it's annoying how well he did it, considering what happened. Because, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm hashtag rehire James Gunn all the way. <laughs> but, uh, well, that's literally the thing. It's hashtag rehire James Gunn. I put it up about once a week. I renew it. And it's amazing how many followers you get, actually, if you want to be really cynical about it. But no, I, I genuinely think you should uh, rehire uh, James Gunn. But his script does apparently set up a lot of movies for Marvel to develop down the line. Mm-hmm. So The Eternals was apparently one of them. Although it evidently works enough on its own that they're going with it anyway. The Eternals is the story of the Celestials, for lack of a better term, okay. of which Kurt Russell was one. I was going to say, is Ego a Celestial? Ego right? was one. In the comics, Ego was one. Right. Um, there's also characters like Thanos' dad. Thanos' dad? Thanos' dad. What's his now, name? Now, I forget, they did name him in uh, Infinity War. He is, oh, did he, they? they just, uh, Red Skull specifically says, oh. Thanos, son of... I forget the name. But the movie is apparently going to be set millions of years ago. Oh. It's going to be set in the past. Mm-hmm. So it's Marvel Cosmic, period piece. But, of, you know, which can still look like now, for all we need to know. But it just means you've got an excuse to go bigger with the visuals. You can go, like, for instance, Titan. You know, where Thanos uh, is hungry. You can show that at, yeah. its, at its, you know, peak, for instance. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so this is the thing. That's going to film next year, apparently. Um, Do we have anyone? Well, the director is Chloe Zhao. Um, Chloe Zhao. Do you know, I think this is her first biggie. I think she came from animation, and this is her first big live-action film. Oh, good for her. So, yeah. Uh, meanwhile, you know Swamp Thing? Do you remember Swamp Thing? I'm aware of Swamp Thing. So, Swamp Thing was... Oh, was it a Wes Craven movie? I think it's like an unappreciated Wes Craven movie from the Quite late 80s. possibly. I remember it more for the NAF TV series they spun out. Yes, it? see, that's what I'm thinking. I'm just thinking, I'm sure that's a do you remember that theme? Do you remember the theme song, by any chance? No. It was Wild Thing. Was it? Yeah. They did they reworded Swamp Thing. They actually changed do, do, the lyrics to, do, to Wild do. Thing. Do, swamp Thing. <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> and that's how I remember the plot of Swamp Thing. Yeah. Because I remember it according to the lyrics of that song. <laughs> <laughs> well, why would you not? Um, I do. I do want to rewatch them. I do. I, I thought the series was great actually when I was a kid. Uh, but that's going to be a series again now uh, as part of this. You know, DC Universe streaming service or whatever it is. No. DC launched a streaming service not so long back. Oh. You know, Marvel have that one for comics. Yes. Right. There's like Netflix and Marvel comics. Yes. Right. It's just comics. Yes. DC launched the same thing, only they decided. Let's just be Netflix at the same time. And so they just start developing programs. It's another platform that people can ignore. Well, they, <laughs> they have Titans, for one thing, which is like a gritty reboot, a gritty live-action adaptation, not a reboot, sorry, of Teen Titans. Well, you say this, though, but somebody was saying to me the other day, and I can't mm-hmm. remember, correct me if it was you, I don't think it was, uh, that some research was done in that people can only handle three streaming services at once. I think that was me. Was it you? I think that might have been me. Well, I, I'm I, sorry, I, I but I ain't going to pick DCU 
You're as not. one of those three. Oh, don't get me Let's wrong. Let's be fair. I, I'm, I'm pretty on the... Oh, I'll talk to you about the other one in a minute, but I'm pretty sure by the end of the next year, I know what my three will be. Mm-hmm. And I say that only because Emma subscribes to Prime, so we'll just keep her on that, and, and I'll take the other three. That's basically how our house works, by the way. We divide streaming services. Yeah. But, Seems uh, sensible. You know, like, I have movie, she has Shudder, you know, so on and so forth, you know. Oh, I really want Shudder. Anyway, but, we don't uh, Not that great. Oh, really? Not that great, Shudder. Uh, no, not it's not like movie where they add a film per day. Mm-hmm. No, like Shudder will add like a film a week, no, or, or, like, or, or like a crop of three. You know what I mean on a Friday? Boo. It's 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 really weird. They're more into TV shows, I think, and you know, they, they do seem to add like a lot of like TV shows, like Japanese horror, you know, the J horror directors and mm-hmm. things like that. And, yeah. yeah. But anyway, so anyway, there's a DC you. Universe series. They've got t- they've got Titans on at the moment, which is like a gritty. Uh, Teen Titans adaptation, mm-hmm. which is not bad. Actually, not bad. Mm-hmm. It looked terrible. The first episode bored me to tears, and then Calvin insisted that I carry on with it. And uh, the second episode... Of course he did. The second episode I really liked, and the third episode I thought was a bit naff, and that was a fourth. Yeah. There was oh, a, I see. So it's a bit of up and down. A bit up and down. So which is, let's be honest, by DCEU standards, pretty good. Pretty good. Can you actually see anything? Oh, no, it is all shot through a 40-watt bulb. Yeah, 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 totally. I mean, like, Robin's, even though he's wearing red and green, he looks like he's wearing grey. Just a brown blob. Yeah, but... <laughs> oh, no, the whole thing... I don't know, if you, don't know if you saw the trailer, but the whole thing was... It's the kid from Gods of Egypt who's Robin. Uh, do you know, I remember you telling me about this. Yeah, yes. but the whole thing is, you know the R on the Robin chest? Yeah. On his chest, the uh-huh. R logo. The R logo is his batarangs. They're little uh-huh. R's. And he's like, he, he, he cuts dudes up, he murders dudes with them. That is so, so beyond nauseating. Oh, yeah, but the whole thing, I'm going to make it worse. Oh. I'm going to make it worse, wait for it. So the whole thing is that by in this iteration, in this version, Robin's like a 20-something police detective mm-hmm. in Bloodhaven or whatever city it is that he moves to. He's not Nightwing yet. Mm-hmm. You know, it's Dick Grayson before he becomes Nightwing. But the idea is that he's devolved. He's become a murderer himself. Yeah. <gasps> um, this is shown to us in his opening sort of introduction of Robin, in which he puts the suit on for the first time and he zips down and he, you know, surrounding the henchmen. And the henchmen say, oh, my God, it's Robin. Where's Batman? You know, like <laughs> expecting Batman to be as well. And Robin then just cuts all these, like, murders, straight up murders these dudes. Mm. And as he's, as he's crushing the last dude's face, he just says, fuck Batman. And you're like, uh... and you're like we have finally reached peak DC. This is it. This is peak DC. What we had, I thought Superman snapping a neck was peak DC. No, it is Robin curb stomping a dude and saying, fuck Batman. That is peak DC. Anyway. With his sharp R's. Yeah, with his sharp R's. There's probably, I'm sure Calvin will tell me there's probably a proper name for it. Oh, them. I'm sure there like is. Like a Robin Rang or something like that. <laughs> a round Robin. Oh, oh. <laughs> anyway, um, it's it's not bad so far. They're still like introducing the characters and things. So I think sure. they've, I've just gotten to the stage where they're about to introduce Beast Boy. So Beast Boy. Ugh. Can we talk Marvel? I'm sick of. I'll get to that in a minute. Anyway, so the whole thing is. Uh, I had a point for all this. What was I don't I... even know what we were talking about. We've lost our trail. Uh, it... Oh, Swamp Thing. Yeah, Swamp Thing is oh, doing yeah. a show for this network. Uh, sure. uh, they've got other ones to come, like Doom World is going to be one, which I think is about villains. Um, we, we're getting one. We're getting different ones for different, like, sort of sub-characters. Mm. Not entirely dissimilar from what Marvel is setting out to do as part of the new uh, uh, Disney streaming service. 
which of course is to launch next year. Uh-huh. Which is also when Apple's new TV platform launches as well. Uh-huh. Which is free though. So you, you get oh, Apple, Apple's service is going to be free. So maybe that's, we have room for four. Well, you know on your Apple TV, you have that app that's just called TV. Yeah. That's where it'll all live. Oh, good. It's all going to live in the Apple TV app. And you're going to get shows that star like Reese Witherspoon and like huge stars. They've spent like a billion dollars on content. Oh, excellent. And you've got, you know, huge name programs coming to that. They're, they're bolstering the carpool karaoke thing and things like that. Oh. And you know that? Because car- carpool karaoke has been a thing now as a I series. I didn't realize it was its own series. Yeah, it's been its own series for like nine months. Yeah, I only discovered that the other day because yeah. Megan Mullally and Megan Mullally and Nick Offerman. Exactly. I'm like, oh, oh, this thing's I was continuing. Like, what? Oh, okay. We should we should probably watch that, mm. but I don't have time for that and lip sync battle. So I've not watched lip sync battle since like Tom Holland. Yeah, exactly uh, the same for me. Yeah, I like at that point we're like, no, we've Done. Come, we've peaked this show now. <laughs> we're not getting better than this. So Spider Man in yeah. uh, fishnet tights. Once we've done, done. Spider Man in fishnets, I feel like we're done with this series. Yeah. Like, what have we got to look forward to now? Jamie Foxx doing Ray Charles one day. I find it yeah. so upsetting, though, when you look at the American lip sync battle and they've got the Anne Hathaways of the world, Tom Holland. Oh, yeah. Well, oh, and then yeah. you look at the British one. Oh, I know. Oh, it's like the Paddy McGuinness. Was it yeah. Paddy McGuinness Mel B? Or like, oh, <laughs> turn it off. You, t- you turn it on and it's like Nigel Havers oh, and Nick Knowles. No, it's exactly it. It's it is so like that, isn't it? It really is. It really is. Very embarrassing. Oh, anyway. God. But yeah, so Marvel streaming service, obviously, I. I I talked about I talked to John about this last week because they mm-hmm. announced that we're getting a Bucky and Falcon series. Oh dear, nobody asked for that. Oh, you you know what though? Apparently, action comedy, and I mean, I mean, look, we're getting a Loki series, we're getting a, a Scarlet Loki, Witch I'm, series. I'm good with Scarlet Witch. I'm I'm uh, fine. Scarlet with... Witch and Vision. Uh, okay, together. no, I'm out. Together, no, I'm out. I'm in because there's a lot. No, of, no, there's no. a lot of uncovered ground there. Can't bear them when they're together. Really? She just, no, she would not go for that. I, I'm think, she, I think he adds depth to her. Which, don't get wrong, is, is true to the comics. He also erases her accent. He he does. Let's not dwell on that. <laughs> let's let's not... Hey, I mean, I, I assume that's why yeah, her accent Black Widow's meant to be Russian. Yeah, but she never was Russian. So <gasps> I'm fine with that. She yeah. never had a Russian accent. I'm there not is... fine with just like... Phase it out. It's like the episode of Friends when Ross pretends to be English. When oh, he phases it out. That's how I feel like Scarlet Witch. Oh it? no, no, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Although there was that moment in the Avengers when Scarlett Johansson says, "Look, regimes fall every day." I try not to weep over that. I'm Russian. You're like, <laughs> bitch, please. <laughs> I feel like if Emily Blunt had done this, like she was supposed to, we might have had the accent. Probably. Yeah. Probably. That would have been awesome. No, I love ScarJo, but Emily Blunt. Emily Blunt was like the the name that was seriously going to have it. That um, would have been amazing. Because she was a nobody at the time as well. Like Emily Blunt was known at that point pretty much only for the Devil, Devil Wears Prada. Prada yeah. That was it. And she was super underrated. And yeah, she was super well, underrated. And look at her now. Exactly. Although I really hope that sort of fan wish that she and John Krasinski lead the Fantastic Four. Like I would watch ah. the shit out of that. Oh my god, I would watch that. I can imagine that being a version where it doesn't end in absolute crap. Yep, pretty much. Yeah. Mm. Just imagine, right, just just hear me out on this for a second. Mm. Imagine a Fantastic Four, right, that's John Krasinski as Reed Richards, yep. uh, Emily Blunt as Sue Storm, yep. John Cena as The Thing, <gasps> and Liam Hemsworth as, as Johnny Storm. Oh my god, yeah, in. You, yeah, you'd watch Duh. that, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You would. Yep. Look, that, yep that's yep, that's yep, the yep, dream yep. casting, isn't it? Yeah, it'd be 
perfectly fine. It's taken with me that. years to perfect that. I do it when I can't sleep at night. I try and cast a Fantastic Four. Oh, damn. And sorry. I almost always land on Ron <laughs> Perlman for the thing. It's too obvious. Too obvious, isn't it? It's too obvious. It can't uh, be done. No, no, no. But, like, I tell you what, though, I would watch that movie. I would still watch it. I'd watch that movie with Ron Perlman. Where the Baxter building is, in fact, Avengers Tower. Mm. Oh, yes. Yeah. The A comes down, the four goes up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'd watch that. I'd watch John Krasinski and Tony Stark trading, because when, uh, when Robert Downey Jr. gets his uh, $12 million and a percentage of the back end cameo yes. that he has to do to set up the Fantastic Four to legitimise it as this is Marvel's Fantastic Four, I'd watch the hell out of that. Definitely. You know, just something like Tony Stark comes over to pick up his mail or something from the building. Yeah, he, he does a Stanley. He does a Stanley. It's like, oh, hey, we might still have mail coming here. I was in the neighbourhood. Hey, you know, yo. Just, just I imagine lands on the balcony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I don't think you guys have moved in yet. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Ooh, embarrassing. Awkward. I like Ooh, it. I left a really good bottle of scotch in the cupboard. Just came to take that. Um, well, we while we're talking about Marvel, yeah. it reminds me... What on earth is this whole thing about Deadpool 2 getting recut? Okay. What? So, Deadpool 2, obviously, was an R-rated movie. Yeah. Right. Thing is... And quite rightly so. And quite rightly so. The thing is, a lot of kids do want to see Deadpool. Um, sure. Yeah. And but they're not allowed, and that's that. Allowed. Move on. Well, they found a pretty ingenious way to do it. Ugh. See, it turns out people really like The Princess Bride. Right. What? People people really like it. I know it's amazing news to me as well. I know. So, uh, what they, just... do you remember the framing mechanism of uh, The Princess Bride? Do you know, honestly, I'm going to admit I've not seen it in so oh. long that I can't. So, The Princess Bride is effectively a story within a story. Mm-hmm. It is, I remember that. It's a bedtime story being read to Fred, to Fred Savage. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And do you remember who's reading it to him? No. Columbo. Is it? Peter Falk. God, Peter Fort reads again. the story to his grandson, who's Fred Savage, and that's the story of the Princess Bride. Okay. Ryan Reynolds has gone and done that. Oh. He's done the framing mechanism. They have shot new material and different edits and things like that to actually recut Deadpool as a PG-13 version. And the way that they have smoothed over the cracks, the way that they have managed... Apparently, it does play as a slightly different film. Well, it's, it has to. Yeah, because it's going to be either Deadpool as the kid or Deadpool as the narrator, yeah. as the kid of reading the bedtime story, which I think is more interesting. Mm. And although, you know, he does already narrate the film, so, you know, you can argue that we, we kind of have a version of that. But yeah, that's coming out. It's called Once Upon a Deadpool. And what is just like a new Blu ray release? Or? I think it is going theatrical. It's getting a limited theatrical and a, uh, a, a, a home release. That's so weird. They did this a couple of years ago with X-Men Days of Future Past as well. They, they released a Rogue Cut, but it got a very limited theatrical release. Oh, is that what Rogue Cut was? Yes. I just assumed oh, no. that it was extra scenes. and It is extra scenes. It is extra scenes because Rogue was in it and they cut her out. Oh, yeah. Hence Rogue Cut. Yeah. Uh, and if you remember... The... Rogue is in the character. Yeah. And if you remember the exact plot of Days of Future Past, there is a very specific and obvious reason why Rogue should be in that movie. So, we'll move on. yeah, let's we'll move on, on to that one. <laughs> well, there you go. There's going to be um, another Deadpool. Oh, that's what I was talking about, Swamp Thing. Uh, Derek Mears, who's played Jason Voorhees a bunch of times, mm. he's going to be the Swamp Thing. So yeah. Swamp Thing, Jason sure. Voorhees, same dude. Should have got Andy Serkis. Oh, I know. That series, <laughs> by the way, though, is also going to star Will Patton. Who's Will Patton? Will Patton, he played Chick in Armageddon. He's the sheriff in the new Halloween movie. You know, Will Patton's one of those actors. He is. He's Nick Cage's best friend in Gone in 60 Seconds. 
Uh, you know the one. That guy from that thing. That guy from that thing. That's but, uh, yeah. So, yeah, he's, he's casting that as well. And uh, uh, Paddington 3 is happening. Ugh, Paul King may not direct it. I know I'm in a real minority here, but I, I did not like Paddington. And you are I've dead inside. You are dead inside. No. I honestly, I genuinely tried oh. to watch Paddington. I really did. And it, no. Turn it off. No? Not a thing for you? No. Because they're both on Rubbish. Amazon now. They're both Don't on Prime. care. Don't care. No. Not well, fine. If that's how you're going to be... Poo to you with knobs on, I say. Poo to you with knobs on. <laughs> um, I've just found the news that we're going to end on today, actually. But oh, uh, I'm gonna, I've got like, a couple of pieces before then. Right, so, uh, Alex Ryder. That, that's going to be a thing again. You know the Alex Ryder series from Stormbreaker? Oh, no. I was just going to say, is that the thing with the, the blonde Alex, kid? Alex, uh, it's Alex Petifer. That's it. Of course, you, not how like you've forgotten him. The you know, You know Magic Mike better than anyone. Not for him, though. <laughs> it's all about Joe Manganiello. So, uh, the director of the recent Daz Boot remake. Daz uh, Boot got remade as a mini-series. Uh, the director, Andreas Pachaska, he is going to direct Sony's new event series adaptation of, of Alex Ryder slash Stormbreak or whatever. Um, Pass. Did you like Avatar? I liked it when I first watched it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Because it was the first film I ever saw in 3D. Okay, then. Then I tried to re-watch it on a normal TV and yeah, realised it. it was absolute garbage. Just funny enough, that happens with me. And uh, so, we're getting sequels anyway, whether you like it or Isn't not. Isn't there about There's 74? Four There's four of them. Yeah, near enough. There's four of them. And let me see. Well, the release dates are 2020. Right, they're all December. They're all Christmas releases. So it's 2020, 2021, 2024, and 2025. Nobody cares. Uh, the people who have stock in Avatar World at Disneyland do. No, even they don't care. No, they do, because Pandora World is coming to <laughs> Disneyland or Disney World. It's already World there. World, so. Is it already there? It's already there. Oh, okay. It's up and running. It's, it's very popular. Well, we now have the titles of these films, if anyone cares. Oh, go on. Uh, they are Avatar, The Way of Water. Oh, my God. Avatar, The Seed Bearer. How is it getting worse than The Way of Water? Avatar, The Tolkien Rider. <sighs> and Avatar, the quest for Iowa. Literally. I know, I know. Drown me. It's a real panty razor, isn't it? <laughs> My God. The fact that they're still talking about it and the fact that it's still not going to come out until 2020. I know, I know. Shut up! Uh, so, um, do you, right, you know, George Romero, great loss to yes. uh, to the horror world. Uh, I met the man years ago. Did you? I met him in 2004. I met him at the uh, Milton Keynes Comic Con. Oh, I was with Seth, who I think you've met at some point. Met I've Seth. heard of him. You've heard of him. Oh, your better half, of course, thinks the world yes, of Seth. Yes, he definitely has For some him. strange reason, thinks the world of my dear friend Seth. Uh, we met George Romero. It was about a month before they finally got a release date for uh, Land of the Dead. Because mm-hmm. we were asking him all about it. We were really excited about Land of the Dead. and uh, Which I still enjoy, by the way. In fact, yeah, Overlord, that was another thing I meant to chuck in the influencers list. It feels a little bit like Land of the Dead at ah. times. Honestly, see Overlord, it's so much fun. I really want to see it. You've sold it to me. I really can't wait to see that again. That's so it. good. Me and you can go. Yeah, we'll okay, go we'll together. go, we'll go. So, 50 years ago this year mm-hmm. was uh, Night of the Living Dead. God, 50 They're years. coming to get you, Barbara, 50 years ago. And, uh, well, in the wake of Romero's death, obviously a lot of projects that he'd written over the years have sort of been discovered in the, in his vaults and things like that. It's always the way. And his, his, you know, his friends are all filmmakers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, his, his family, I think, oh, just go and make the films, please. Yeah. And there are projects being announced now that Romero worked on and gave up on years ago. Mm-hmm. One of them, 
And we're going to get this actually made, and it's going to be released next year. Uh-huh. Night of the Living Dead, part two. Hey? Romero wrote a straight sequel to Night of the Living Dead. He never made it. Instead, he went and made Dawn of the Dead, which most of us generally now regard as, you know, the classic of that whole thing. Probably the definitive zombie film, I think, is is Dawn of the Dead. Even its remake is good. That's how good Dawn of the Dead is. That is questionable. No, its remake is good. Come on. I've got Ty Burrell playing, you know, golf with zombie heads, whilst Down with the Sickness plays as a lounge ballad. Um, I'm in just for that. And Johnny Legg. Everyone loves Johnny yeah. Legg. No, no, that's Land of the Dead. Is that Land that's of Land the Dead? Of the, that's Land of the Dead. Oh. Yeah, you gotta keep trying. Anyway. Love Johnny Legg. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so they're going to basically go down the route of what Halloween has recently done, where they've done a reboot call. Right. We're going to get one of those with Night of the Living Dead. I was going to say, like, surely it can't be a picks up moments from... Well, presumably maybe it'll be one that actually is 50 years later. Meh. I'd be intrigued. I mean, cool. Cool. So, um, I will love you and leave you this week with the news mm-hmm. that... Uh, the world's most obvious pairing of actors. It's blindingly obvious. Okay. You will be astounded that this has never happened. You won't have considered it. Okay. It's so obvious that it will never occur to you. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm intrigued. I, I just can't. I've got. I, I just. I just. I can't wait for this. The actual glee on your face is scaring me. In one corner. Yes. <laughs> Fraser Crane himself. Yes. Sir Kelsey of Grammar. If you say Kellen Lutz, no. you're behind the times, no, no. mate. No, no, All right, and in the other Kelsey corner, Grammar. In the other corner, hailing from California and of the Coppola dynasty, Sir Nicholas of Cage, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, my Nick Cage, God! Yes, Nick Cage and fucking Frasier are going to team up. What? It's finally happening. Oh, my God. I want to thank the Academy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, God. It's I almost don't care what they're doing yeah, together. Yeah, could be anything, couldn't it? Could it, be anything. Do you know what I hope the movie is? Mm-hmm. They're just friends on a yachting trip. There's an accident, and they just sit in a boat together, waiting for rescue, chatting. Just chatting away. Just just chatting, and it's semi-improvised, so it's just dude, these two dudes talking about their lives. I'm in. Like, just give me that. I, I'll watch that. Take my money. <laughs> there is a plot, though. Oh, go on, then. Right. Go on, then. Okay, it's a thriller. Mm-hmm. It's, of course. It's called Grand Isle. Grand Isle. Grand Isle. Isle is in Isle in a shop. Isle as in I S L E. Okay. Okay. So as in. So it Isle... could be on a yacht. It could be on a yacht. Right. Wait for it. Wait for it. Okay. I want to read you the log because I've not read it. Okay. Right. First of all, the uh, the, the director of this. This is going to be uh, the, the first, this is going to be the debut, the feature directorial debut for uh, Stephen Campanelli, who is the cameraman for pretty much all of Clint Eastwood's recent films. Oh. So he's he's, he's got some pedigree. He knows yeah. what he's doing. He's going off to make his own film. He can shoot the good. He can films. shoot the goods. Say what you will about uh, about uh, Clint Eastwood's films. They they look the part. They look amazing. They look amazing. Mm. Fifteen seventeen to Paris, less so, but still. Then again. My mum, by the way, watched 1517 to Paris, mm-hmm. right? And I, I was, it was on Sky Cinema when I was down there the other week. And uh-huh. I, was, I flipped past it. I was like, oh, God, no. I so, oh, it was all right. And I went, I just think it would have been better with actual actors. Said, well, what do you mean? Because, <laughs> well, you know, those are the actual dudes. She goes, oh, are they? Oh, I did think they looked a bit like the real ones at the end. <laughs> I'm like, Mum, those are actual photos of the Literally actors the you just spent people. an hour and a half watching. But, okay. Bless her. Anyway, so... 
<laughs> Cage will play a trigger-happy ex-marine living on a quiet island in Louisiana with his seductive wife. Played you by just Katie want Strickland. some peace. That's it. Katie Strickland will play the wife, by the way. Okay. Forced to hire a cash-strapped handyman, Luke Benwood, to fix a fence destroyed while he was gunning down a home intruder, he finds his life taking a strange turn. Then, after a night filled with greed, sex, violence, and mm. unspeakable discoveries, a detective, yep, a detective, Grammar, is brought in to lead a police investigation. I'm in. I mean, so basically... Why is it not out now? I, I need this now. No, no, no. First of all, the Nicolas Cage movie we need right now is Primal. Right, oh. That is apparently coming for the end What's of the year. Primal? Nicolas Cage versus a Jaguar on a boat. <gasps> Come on. I'm so happy with that. Also starring Frankie Janssen. Oh my, oh my god. god, the naffness factor just makes it irresistible. I'm so it? pleased. I need it right now. I need it now. Just give me primal. But yeah, so that's coming. Hopefully there'll be a trailer soon. Amazing. And, and in the meanwhile, we can look forward to Grand Isle as well. Sir Nicholas of Cage, Lord Kelsey of Grammar. This is going. We to, salute thee. We salute you both. On which both, both. <laughs> and on which note? Here it is. Your moment of cage. You want to play tough with me? Okay. FBI! Free sucker! 